We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest and then the final event the behind the bangs writing workshop i finally did it put it together put together this workshop because i wrote this book in many ways for younger me and younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught i wanted the gyms i wanted i wanted the knowledge i wanted the education that's what i would have wanted so i've decided i'm doing it and in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn 15 years in my 15 year career as a tv writer and author and blah 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 all the other things i've written there are six things that i always use and all of those are in this workshop so if you have an interest in writing sign up all the ticket links are live today click the show notes click my instagram we are coming to a city near you and there's going to be some meet and greets i'll sign some copies of books we'll give out more books and i have uh, some pieces of merch that i'm taking on the road and i'm gonna give them out at the shows Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of badass female celebrities who have been torn down by tabloids, dissected by social media, and faced heartaches and triumphs and come out of it all even stronger. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I am a writer, comedian, and filmmaker. And this week, we are book clubbing Gabrielle Union's memoir, written in 2017, titled We're Gonna Need More Wine. This is one of my favorite memoirs, and after reading it, I bought a bunch of extra copies to give to just young women in my life, maybe just a woman I cross the street with. I might be like, you need this, because everyone needs this book. It will invigorate you, and it will teach you things like how to get through a breakup, how to get over a cheater, and she even tells you how to become a cheater. (laughs) It's a good book. I used to shrink in the presence of other dope, beautiful women. I used to revel in gossip and rumors and the, 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 and, 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 and I, and I lived for the negativity inflicted upon my sister actresses or anyone who I felt whose shine diminished my own. I took joy in people's pain and I tap danced on their misery. I chased and accepted a love and a marriage that wasn't worthy of a date. I lived to hear, hey, if we'll go black, it'll totally be you. That was Gabrielle Union's speech when accepting the Fierce and Fearless Award from Essence magazine. 
The speech is epic. She gets so vulnerable and so raw and it goes viral. It's it's just such a great speech. I love revisiting it. We're going to get into it in the episode. But first, my guest today is the incredible Rashawn Nadine Scott. Hi, Rashawn. Hi, Chelsea. <laughs> it's so good to have you. Rashawn is an alumni of the Second City Touring Company and the Second City ETC stage and the Second City Main Stage. You can see her on Fox's Empire, NBC Shrink, and the Comedy Central series Southside. I'm also sure she's booked a million things since I stole that from her bio and just what I know about her from Instagram, so I'm sure there's a lot of other credits. And she is in the Netflix film Win It All. She is also an amazing singer. She will truly give you chills. Her voice is one that's I would say blows the doors off venues. That's the description I would give it. I broke a speaker once at a sound check. That was fun. Okay, that seems right for you. <laughs> Her voice is just so powerful. Um, and also, Rashawn and I performed together at Second City for, I don't know, I want to say 10 years. It was probably two years, <laughs> many years. We go way back. And Rashawn, I introduce all my guests with the story of how we first met. Oh, no. Do you remember how we first met? Was it the first day of rehearsal or was it before that? It was before that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that, I don't I remember what scared. happened. Okay, I have a memory. Okay. Um, you can tell me if you remember this. Um, my first memory of us meeting is that you had just uh, booked the stage that was next door to the one I was on. Mm -hmm. And I came backstage with a shot. And because you were new to the cast and I gave you a shot and I, I was just like this haggard, like, you're going to need this. You're like, you better take this shot. It's going to get crazy. And I distinctly remember you looking at me like I was a psycho and I instantly <laughs> regretted it. I was like, I think this was too weird. Oh, my God. That's my first memory. Um well, um, it seems like a lot of Second City memories are like, someone gave you a glass of wine or some alcohol <laughs> and said, you're going to be big kid. Yeah, that's very true. I was like, me and Rashawn are the best of friends. And I found out later that Rashawn didn't really like me at first. No. And I was like, she was like, yeah, you know, we didn't like each other at first. And I was like, no, I loved you. <laughs> but... Was it wasn't that I was like over, like, oh my God. It was just like, you know, I was in a new workspace entirely. There was a lot of energy left over from the previous cast. Totally. I felt like I took someone's spot. That was the vibe Ugh. that I felt. It, yeah. it wasn't just you and the cast. It was like the outside world, you know, yes. because we, when we all used to dance at Second City is what I call it. Like when you worked at a strip club. <laughs> but like when we danced over there and, you know, I got the main stage and I got my clear heels and I was feeling very confident in my work, but everyone around me was like, this bitch just got here. How dare she? That's but, so and, You know, funny. what Gabrielle yeah. says, your, what her mom said was like, you remember how you remember. I don't think that's the exact line when she found out. Gabrielle Union, when she found out that her dad was cheating on her mom and how her mom felt about it, it was like, but that's just the way that you saw it. You saw a beautiful, maybe because on the outside, I was like, smile and be yeah. this girl's best friend and we're just going to make ha-has together well, the best we know how. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping we could include it because I think like, yeah, sometimes you get into a situation where where you think like, oh, they hate me or we don't like each other. And, and like that happens all the time, especially in this business. And like we're 
great friends now. And so yeah, it's like you were you one of the just... first people to reach out to me when I got to California. You were like, come on, said, come meet these people. Come to my birthday. Like, oh, that was yeah. just so nice for you to be like, oh, I want I want you to feel included. Well, thank you. And also, selfishly, I just love your company. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like it's, um, I think sometimes, like, definitely when I was like, oh, that person doesn't like me or, or we had a thing, you think like, oh, I can never talk to them again. I can never look them in the eye. Yeah, you were experiencing the pressure of, like, coming onto that stage. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like haggard, probably drunk. You know what I mean? Like, and <laughs> and you can like make signals, but I think I I love it, especially for this book because Gabrielle also talks about like being in this business, and I'm like a very competitive person. I'm mm-hmm. sure you like felt, you know, my like to the top we go. You were like, I got a two person scene written, I got a solo scene written, I got a bunch of blackouts, and I was like, um, I wrote this funny, ludicrous uh, bit, which was a think, great bit. Which was a great bit. <laughs> I just got to get something in. But yeah, you were, you know, ticked off a lot of boxes and you were very uh, assured in what you were doing. And I can admire that because you're a woman who is doing the work herself. Like, I can't fault you. No matter what I may have, times I may have rolled my eyes or whatever, I was like, I will never denounce someone's talent. I'll say, yes, this person is a thorn in my side, but the bitch is hilarious and gets (laughs) the thing done. And that's, that's something I'd rather you hang on to than, oh, Sean was, you know, I, I don't always want to have that lasting feeling of like, I will always honor someone's talent I, and what they bring to the table. I love that. And don't forget, I thought we were best friends. So that's all I've ever <laughs> taken away from any of this. Um, so we've been but, best um, friends for about eight years now. And like we would go to drag clubs together and Rashawn was the only person who like got drag the way I did and we would like party our asses off. It was so fun. And um, I, I love I love how you say that because I'm the same way where it's like if I, you, I respect the work, mm-hmm. whether I like you or choice, blah, 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 you got to respect the work. And but on the flip side, um, if you're a talentless hoe, I'll also say that. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not, You'll get you, by. <laughs> she doesn't get the work done. All of it. Oh, this, I'm so happy we covered this. OK. So the book is titled, We're Gonna Need More Wine, written in the vein of a night out with your girls drinking wine. And I am currently drinking her husband, Dwayne Wade's wine. It's mm. called Wade Wines. Thanks to OG book clubber, Liz Beckart. Thank you so much. Um, so it is noon. I'm not a good day drinker. I guess we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we'll get into the book. So her ghostwriter is the same ghostwriter as Jessica Simpson. It's Kevin Carl O'Leary. If you listen to the Jessica Simpson episode, we get very mad at Kevin's writing uh, in that book. But I will say, I think he's a very good ghostwriter. I mean, Gabrielle's book is incredible. And it, it truly sounds like it's in her voice. I didn't know that she had a ghostwriter, but... Well, she hides it. She definitely hides it. He doesn't get front cover credit, which I love. Yes, Gabrielle. Don't give it to him. Yes. Exactly. Um, it's hidden in the book. If I didn't recognize his name from other books, it would just look like a thank you. Like, thank you, uh, Kevin. Thank you for your time. <laughs> thanks, Kevin, for doing the thing I hired you to do. Now, mm-hmm. shove off. Get out of here. I think that she opens the book so nicely, like, kind of, like, sets the scene. I have been a... I grew up as a young black woman in a predominantly white neighborhoods. Oh, I walked which is to very my, the theme of this book. Very the theme. And the, the thing about assimilation really got to me about how she wanted so badly just to be like anybody else. And uh, kind of that, you know, asexual, nobody looks at me because I'm supposed to be this protected thing. I remember that very early. I was, I, I don't think I ever said to myself, I want to be white. 
That never happened. Yeah. The people put upon me like, oh, you think you're white. You think you're better than us because you talk this way, X, Y, because I like to read. Which is racist in itself. Kids used to make fun of me because I like to read. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. My, oh my what? God. You'd uh, like uh, me more if I was an ignorant person? That doesn't make any also sense. Also, like, reading is a white thing. To, uh, tell it to the people who voted in this elect- last election. Like, I don't think they've been reading. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Suck it. It was just so interesting the way that she, like, slid into that indoctrined, like, environment because that was, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and how she would really have to explain later to her children about, like, you have to convince people that you live in a certain area. Like, I grew up in a very nice neighborhood in a big-ass house, and people did not believe that my brothers and my parents lived there. They oh were just like, no, there's no way. And I'm like, bitch, I went to school every day. I'm, <laughs> here's a house key. Like, it was ridiculous that people just could not get it. They could not fathom that a black family lived in this neighborhood in this ha- kind I, of house. It's also so crazy because you can be ignorant and be like, oh, I didn't think you lived there, right? Okay, that's one level mm-hmm. of ignorance. But but to be like, no, no, you don't live there. Show me a key. You're like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Is this the page master? What? Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> what is, what is going on? Okay. So let's, yeah, let's dive into it. Cause those are such great points. Instead of reading the first page, I actually wanted to read the dedication. Ooh. I dedicate this book to those who have been humiliated and wanted to hide away forever to those who have been broken and super glue wasn't enough to help to those who have felt frozen in fear and shame, to those who have kept smiling as their throats were closing up, to those who thought they had all the answers but realized they were sorely ignorant. I see you. I got you. And to my parents, who I never understood until I became an adult who followed her heart, I'm sorry and I love you. I get it now. Mm. So I, I, when I opened it and read the dedication, I was like, <laughs> like I was like, okay, I, I love you. I'm obsessed with you. And the last line of the introduction is, reading all these stories together, I wondered if I was really brave enough to share all of this. Then I remembered another quote I wrote down. This one comes from Carrie Fisher. Stay afraid, but do it anyway. So cheers. Here's to us being afraid, but doing it anyway. And first off, love Carrie Fisher. We're going to be doing her book on this podcast. But secondly, that advice is everything to me. Also, if you listen to the Jessica Simpson episode, more crossover here. um, I do have a tattoo that's very similar to that quote on my body. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was the best thing I ever seared into my skin forever because every time I wanted to back out of something, I would Mm. look at my flesh and be like, we promised ourselves we would go forward anyway. Yeah, just like you get in your own way all the time with fear. I definitely, as much as I have accomplished, I, uh, I, when I think about all the things that I could have done in addition, had I not been scared, oh my gosh, who, uh, we'd be doing this on little Mars. I'd be like, sorry, hon, I'll send you a rocket. And then we can link up and record. What's also so crazy because you are the most confident person. Like you described a story of like, oh, I came in here and, you know, all this stuff was crazy. It's like you're the most confident person ever. I I mean, in a professional sense, I always felt confident performing and being on stage and being in front of people. But then when she gets into like romantic thing, romantic fear that is Mm. debilitated so many possible relationships because I never saw myself as uh, desirable in that way. Like everybody was paired off. Yeah. But it was the idea of like Rashawn being with someone was like, oh, no, that's Rashawn's not into that. She's so focused on her goals. There's no way that she's, <laughs> she's a little not into horny bastard. And love and cuddles. No. She hates cuddling. No. 
That's so wild. Yeah, because that's also in this book, um, that theme. Okay, so jumping into it, and Rashawn talks about it, where Gabrielle's dad is really set on moving up in life and, you know, coming into money and doing better for themselves. And her mom is like, just don't move us into a white neighborhood because... I don't want my kids to be the only black kid at school. I don't want them to only grow up with white kids. But her dad wants to move up in the world, quote unquote, so badly that he moves them into a very white neighborhood called Pleasanton uh, in Nebraska. So <laughs> I was like, I can't believe Gabrielle is from Nebraska. Like, I just didn't see it coming. Of all She's, the places in the world, <laughs> Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. And she becomes the only black girl in her grade. And she's immediately called racial slurs, the worst racial slurs you can hear, and she's eight years old. I feel like people think of racism as something that happens to you as an adult, you no, know? No, no, no. There is, <laughs> there's levels to this shit. It really starts early that you, when you notice you're an other. Girl, and when I, I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, but uh, in my elementary years, we went to oh, school in Pacific. Remember, there was a teacher who was like, we're learning about Martin Luther King. And because of Martin Luther King, students like Rashawn bring, no. brought to the front of the class no. can be here with us. And I'm oh. just like... Nigga, what are you talking about? What what is happening to me? Also, this like, is an out of body experience. You guys get to be here with uh, me. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think Martin Luther King was like, I'd like uh, one one girl to be able to go to the white school one day. This is what I fight for. Just a little pepper. Just go ahead and spice it up just a little bit. But there, it makes me question almost every action that an institution does that involves me i'm like are you doing this because you think rashawn is a good student xyz or is this a is a publicity thing like this feels like i'm a prop yeah or a personal publicity of like i'm i'm great you know Mm -hmm. me personally because i brought rashawn to the front of the class today right i've been the first black a lot of times and it is so much pressure because then you think i gotta be perfect i gotta do everything i'm supposed to so that there is no reason for anybody to uh do anything harmful to me to think of me in a negative way like i was probably called the n-word all kinds of times behind my back i never knew the first time i knew it was openly like oh they're talking about me was at second city do you remember (gasps) Remember during that one scene, uh, it was a Comic-Con thing. Yeah, And this audience. audience member did not like my hilarious outline and called me this name. And it was like the whole building had like shook up like, oh shit, Rashawn. Rashawn's in danger, not our young, oh no, Rashawn. <laughs> and, and then everybody bought me food and stuff. I was like, so I have to get... <laughs> Now I have to eat these these uh this Caesar these, salad with this <laughs> oppression salad. Is this the only way I can get free food at my job? The audience is there at that well, time. At that time, and also uh, probably still now. And they did they just really reflected America because it was a um, tourist destination. So oh, yeah. there were people from all over in that audience every night. Um Mostly white people, though. So it's sure. reflecting a certain part of the country. <laughs> and um, horrible things. Horrible white things. people love to laugh, Chelsea. You have to remember that. <laughs> yes, yes. They're really into just ha-has, chuckles. Ha-has. Any goofs. chance they get. <laughs> well, and yeah, the more you did audience interaction, uh, horrific things would happen. I, I think, in, yeah, I think in that same show, um, I had a scene where I would ask for... Um, someone's phone and go through it, which Mm -mm. is crazy because it worked every night. Multiple people would be like, here's my phone. I was like, you're out of your mind. But also I need this (laughs) for my bit. And I would go through and I would be making jokes about certain things. But I would say 
a statistic that's um, awful. I would say nine times out of 10, I would find something in their phones that either it was them typing words like that, it was them cheating on their spouses, mm-hmm. it was, I, I mean, I, you would open a phone and find horrors to the point where I was like, I hope monsters give me their phone every night because if this is a <laughs> test sample, I, I mean, men with their wives would hand me their phone and I would find just their girlfriend. Just expose them. Ugh, it's just like so shady and like, I, there's just a level of like monster that my brain never clicked into. I guess that I've I've never been the type of person to be like I want to go through your phone. I don't. I just don't even fathom that. I'm like it's so hard to just find somebody who's like Rashawn. I like you, and I only want to hang out with you to the point of like you got. I'm not enough that you just want someone else like Gabrielle's father mm, who oh had a whole gosh. second ass family. Let's okay. So we have to okay. So we have to Shoot. get into okay. This. So they're in place of and she's at school, whatever. They're like, haha, girl, you're dark skinned or whatever. And she's like, I'm cool. I go back to Nebraska to hang out with my peoples. Yes, and she gets called an Oreo all the time. She gets accused of like being white, but also at her school again, she's forced to assimilate or she won't survive there. And then, yeah, she thinks that she is an undesirable, unlovable woman because she's a black woman and the white dudes won't date her. I love Gabrielle because she's a nerd. I can tell yeah. from like the references because she makes a Mel Brooks History of the World Part 1 <laughs> uh, entry that I highlight. I was like, this is exactly what it is. She said, in my heart, I was Gregory Hines with a hard on. To, but to everyone else, I was the eunuch. You can be the trusted confidant or the witty sidekick there in the mix. But remember, you don't appeal to anybody. Oh, isn't that hurtful? She also says, you can love what you see in the mirror, but you can't self-esteem your way out of the way the world treats you. Yes. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Like, <laughs> I could be as, I was probably, I, I know I was fine. I got these titties installed very early. I, <laughs> it was just like, how am I, how do I get in zero play? Yeah, but it sounds like it's that thing put into your brain that mm-hmm. then you walk around thinking is true and then that affects your real ass life. So to get into her dad thing, Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> whew, there's so much in this book and it's, it's such a bummer that we can't cover every single page when I recaps this on Instagram I, I made two separate highlights filled with a hundred in each and this book is like 200 pages long so that's how much <laughs> I love this book um, so there's colorism with her and her own family her mom mm-hmm. is really light skinned and her sister and her dad is darker skinned and Gabrielle comes out looking like her dad and then her dad is like you're ugly (laughs) you're not light skinned enough and I feel like I'm in such a pattern because we were just talking about this on the Carly Simon episode where her dad is like you're ugly and I mentioned um, the guy I thought was my dad being like you're ugly and it's just it's like hey newsflash like you don't have to fuck your daughter so maybe it doesn't matter what she looks like (laughs) time out that is the full stop you don't have to fuck your daughter. Period. Yeah, like there's period. no So what what do you care what she fucking looks like? Like that's some like, you know what I mean? Like It's such it, like it's the prize. It's that you are this this thing molded in your and their image and you are just a reflection of them like black women their children are their trophies that's it's really it's really annoying that your mom's like talking you up in front of your rest of your aunties like shitting on the rest of your cousins and then you know throwing the fact that you know 
the, col- the colorism. There's so many different shades in my family that it doesn't, this whole like team light skin, team dark skin. I've always felt that I was just in the middle. When I when it's winter, I'm lighter. When it's sunnier outside, I'm outside and I will darken up. But I've never felt like I was team this or team that. I just think that's so reductive and stupid. Yeah. Um, well, and it's also just, it's a, it's, it's white people's fault. Like they put on to black families, you know, that the members of this family who will mm-hmm. succeed in the white world are the lighter skin ones. And then people have to turn into themselves and deal with it. And it's like, yeah, it's so awful. It, it's just so crazy. The layers of colorism that exist in every community. It's wild. My brother, uh, he booked a little uh, part in an HBO film that's supposed to come out. I was like, what? Okay, you hey. be on HBO before me? That's not fair. <laughs> um, but one producer told him that he was the right shade of brown. No. Like, oh. you're not too... I was like, hold, <gasps> hold the phone. Wait. No. Have, no. And then it makes you think like, oh, shit, have I just been the right color brown this whole time or have I been funny engaging town like those are all the things that reel in your mind so be mindful how you address black bodies because it your external views will have internal effect absolutely and you just said that that producer said that to him um what year is it just real quick what year is um it? What year I, that was 2019 it's too, it's too recent. Like, you need to Damn. be like, my brother is 90. That's a story from 1920. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I mean, that is just, it, I think like, because like, there's a few buzzy articles written or like mm-hmm. a few popular tweets where like, we're really doing it. We're really progressive. And it's just, no, no, not at all. I just um, want okay. you to keep working. Keep working. Rashawn says, keep working and everybody listen. Um, <laughs> So, okay, one story I really want to get into is um, uh, back, then we'll jump into the more horrible things her father does. But she has this little girl friend group. They're like 13 and 14. This is Mm -hmm. the Babysitter's Club that I need a reboot of. Gabrielle gets her first period. She can't get the tampon in. And she's like, I can't get it in. And so her friend comes into the stall, like opens up her legs and is like, that is not your vagina. That is your urethra that you're trying to <laughs> shove it in, you know, which is a very tiny hole that you get out of. Ouch. And so she puts the tampon in for her. And I was like, yes, yes, 13 year old girl. <laughs> like, yeah, if you can't find the right hole in your vagina for a tampon, like a woman who knows where the hole is should show it to you. That is the biggest form of love I can think of. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I had had that kind of guidance. Like, I didn't use a tampon for the longest time because I was just like, no, my machine. (laughs) My little little castle. It's so My flower. No. Uh, And they were reading like, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And I had that American Girls book that was like your body yes <laughs> and it you know it's like every girl is different and they're going to change and like they had a chart of the like breast shape and how they would like change and grow i went from like one step one to like six and i was like none of this stuff in between happened to me but the 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 diagram that they showed on like how to put a tampon in was so terrifying because it was a cross section they cut the girl in half and oh. you really just saw like her innards like it was a textbook and i was just like <laughs> That's they cut what the American I'm supposed girl doll in half. <laughs> no, <laughs> they cut her in half. Um, wow. Her name is Hama- Half Mantha. Uh, 
And I was just so afraid. Like when I first got my period, I was playing soccer with my guy cousins. My mom and my aunt had like gone out shopping and I came back home and I went into the bathroom and my leg, I was bleeding. I was thought I was dying. And my cousin was like, ha ha, did you get your period? I was like, oh my God, I'm alive. And it was just kind of this unspoken, like, you're an adult now. You're, you're nasty. And then I got all, I mean, I felt like there was a switch when all the women in my family were like, well, she could be a little whore, so we have to, you know, harp <laughs> down on her. God, I got a pamphlet from one of my aunts that was like, you're going to be tempted, but boys are the devil. Oh, my. And, and oh, I was no. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we'll put that in the category of things that may have fucked up the romance a bit. Maybe thinking <laughs> all men are the devil, how to how to play in it. Well, yeah, and, and just imagine if you had, like, a little friend being like, nope, this is how your pussy is popping and all these things. Her friends also... Um, so one of her friends has sex using a plastic bag because they are Ouch. too afraid. To, I know, like what Ouch. kind of plastic bag are we talking the here? Wrestling, like a Ralph's bag. I, oh God, I'm hoping it's like a sandwich bag, like a, a Ziploc or something. But that has a that has a hard corner. Those edges are. Oh, yeah, those edges are totally. Totally, they cut it off. I don't know just what like happened. C- cling wrap. Ma- oh. Educate the kids. No. Educate the kids. Yes, no. but they know what condoms are. You know, they're just too afraid to ask for one because then people will know they're having sex and be mm-hmm. like, the devil is in you. So. They're like, okay, we know we're supposed to use condoms. We'll use a plastic bag. So then her friend gets pregnant because plastic bags don't work. Um, (laughs) And so, but this is what I loved about it. Gabrielle's friend group, um, you know, they're 14 years old. Each friend goes and asks their parents for like 10 bucks, five bucks, $20 until as a group, they have $300 and they take their friend to get an abortion. Yeah, that's some real sisterhood of the traveling pants shit right <laughs> Sisterhood there. of the traveling tampon, sisterhood of the traveling <laughs> abortion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the things. Um, and... Uh, and then Gabrielle at the clinic asks for a bunch of condoms and her friends are too afraid to have the condoms on them again for getting caught, you know, having sex. And so she becomes the condom dis- dispensary <laughs> for all her friends, um, which is like the the childhood version of like holding people's coats in a bar. Like, I'll hold your coat like you go flirt, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what foresight to have at such a young age of like, I know what could happen and not everyone is so lucky to have a friend who can gather up a bunch of money to have you uh, being taken care of. Yeah. And as a and, group, you know, yeah. all of them were like, we have to take care of our friends. Like that is true, uh, true sisterhood. OK, so then Gabrielle gives um she gives the most incredible sex advice that I don't even want to recap it. I want to read an entire page of the book. Please. I want people to make informed, joyful choices about sex because I love sex. In the heyday of my 20s and 30s, I loved the variety. Now that I am married, I am in a monogamous relationship, but I used to think monogamy was for suckers who didn't have options. Some (laughs) choose monogamy, I would say, but most people have it foisted upon them. I just didn't see the point back then. I did, however, see the point in publicly declaring oneself to be in a monogamous relationship. It was never lost on me that society thinks a woman should be allotted one dick to use and she should be happy with it for the rest of her life. But I always saw sex as something to be enjoyed repeatedly with as many different partners as possible. In interviews, I am often asked what sage advice I have to offer young women. I admit the advice I give Redbook is different from what I tell people over drinks. 
<laughs> There's a gorgeous, perfect, talented young actress who I talked to at a party a few weeks ago. I said, look, you can't take your pussy with you. Use it. Enjoy it. Fuck, fuck, fuck until you run out of dicks, travel to other countries and have sex, explore the full range of everything and feel zero shame. Don't let society's narrow scope about what they think you should do with your vagina determine what you do with your vagina. <laughs> which I just loved. And then I, there's another part in the book where she talks to a teenager and she's like, is he going down on you? And she's like, no. And she's like, well, have him go down on you and then have him eat your ass and like, see where that goes. Okay. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty uh, much standard currency. You know, I love that play. You can't take your pussy with you. <laughs> oh my God. I think we did it yeah, in you're high school. in that soon, right? Oh yeah. yeah. This adaptation It's coming to Netflix shortly, guys. Look out for it. <laughs> Stay subscribed. But yeah, like there's something so freeing when you just don't give a fuck and you're just enjoying yourself. I I mean, I'm an equal opportunity player, but I also like to be re- reciprocated from my actions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean like it's listen, a when you're on a field, I'm... the ball goes both ways, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Why not? You know, hit, run, catch, throw. But yeah, I I totally agree with her. You know, it wasn't until my later 20s that I was like out here. Once I like kind of, you know, ripped the Band-Aid off. First time I had sex was with not someone I even truly remember. I did not like them. It was just, I. it was literally, I was like the monkey on my back. Everyone is talking about this and I just need to understand what everybody else is experiencing so I can just keep on with my life. This yeah. it, it was really not a romantic situation at all. But also, and I, like, I, how many people do you know where they're like, it was beautiful, it was perfect, there was candles, it, it didn't hurt. Like, that's a fake story. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, the best version is like, I got it over with with someone nice and good. <laughs> yeah, I got it over with. I He was gone before the sunrise. Well, a friend of mine who I was living with at the time, to this day, is like, who was he? And I'm like, that's none of your fucking business. <laughs> do you want to put it on this podcast now? Now? Is that the place to do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that does bring me to a place, though, where in Gabrielle's book, I fucking love it. There's like a girl later who like does her dirty and full names, full names. She'll be like, yes. this person <laughs> motherfucking fucked with me. Their full name is in my book forever. They're still in Nebraska. Still go in Nebraska, her. living her life. Um, Would you, if you wrote a book, would you drop? full names on the people who've done you wrong. Uh, yeah, I'd have to be a little bit more famous just to be like, I don't give a fuck. What are you going to do? Come to my compound? <laughs> <laughs> I've got alligators in a moat. Come get me. Uh, yeah, I would. I would name check people because why not? Oh, yeah. I think uh, for the longest time, I just needed being like, I'm a petty person because we all are, but I'm not public with my shit. Like it's a Beyonce level of like, you know what you need to know. Oh, and I it, like that. When we're in close company, sure, there are things that, you know, but I have loyalty to people. Like, I was at a party back in Chicago, and someone was shit-talking um, some members of our former cast. And I was like, no, I'm not going to talk about this person in front of you. I don't know you like that. Even though I wasn't really, I didn't really care for, you know, like, everybody all the time. I was still like, no, you're not going to just talk shit about someone that you don't know, that I don't know that deeply. Like, yes, we're coworkers, but I'm not going to let you just gather information off of me so you can because that's going to be like Rashawn was giving up information about X, Y, and Z. Well, I think what also I came to a point where I uh, what changed for me is that I realized that person who's talking to you like that when you're not that close 
is is talking about you. Like they now walk to the other circle and they're like, and Rashawn sucks and blah, blah, blah. If you're someone who doesn't have boundaries, who doesn't only share it with close people, if you don't protect your pettiness, do it in the right ways, then you are someone who will who will dagger everyone. So it's like, well, I don't want to indulge you because I know who you are. You're the yeah. person who daggers anybody. Um, People show you who you who they are the first time. Yeah, pay attention to them. And in some of these books, they show you who they are um, every day, and the women keep dating them. <laughs> um, that's the Lonnie Anderson book, which is Burt Reynolds every day is like, I'm a piece of shit, and she keeps going. Um, you know, because we're talking about this, I actually, I want to skip around. Um, I want to go to, there's a chapter she writes on mean women. Um, she has this incredible chapter where she went and gave a speech for Essence Magazine's Fierce mm. and Fearless Award Ceremony. And in it, she admits to having been really mean to other women. And the speech is incredible. I'll, I'll post some of it on my Instagram story that goes with this episode. And she writes in her book where that meanness came from. And I, I want to read it. We were in a room at the party, and I started holding court, using my well-honed ability to turn a phrase to tear down an actress who wasn't present. It was well-honed because I used to feel I had to do it for survival, but now it felt like I was killing for sport. As I ripped this absent woman to shreds, I felt like I was being fed as these people laughed and looked at me with faces that said, more, more. When I was done, there was nothing left of my target. How did that change your life? Coach asked me after my performance. Excuse me? Did you get her guy, she asked. Did you get her job? Is your house bigger now? I looked down at the ground, completely called out. What positive thing happened in your life because you tore this woman down, she asked. And by the way, you showed her exactly how much power she has over you because you spent an hour talking about her to a room full of people. I realized what I'd been doing. When you're in a place where you don't know what makes you happy, it's really easy to be an asshole. And her coach had asked her to write down a list of things that made her happy and she didn't have anything to write down. She writes, I put other people's pain on my happy list. <laughs> That's something that made her Jeez, happy. Jeez, <laughs> just cold-blooded. <laughs> Which is like, you know, sometimes that does make you happy. I've certainly been there where it's like, fuck, I hate you. Oh, they're unhappy. I feel good for a second. That's, you know, hollow and comes back to um, eat you alive via karma. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I loved, I loved how she... One admitted to this because I think we've mm -hmm. all done it, especially in this business. And there's phases in my life and they're the, they're the most insecure phases of my life where I totally took part in all that shit. And when I stopped was when I became more confident. Um, and she, uh, she admits to it and then walks you through like how to be a better person. And then, and then I was thinking like, you know, there's other women in Hollywood who she must have been a mean girl to who are reading this book and watching her succeed and being like, Gabrielle was actually really fucking mean to me. And I was trying to think like, oh, how must they feel seeing this? And I was thinking of like, what if the, you know, someone I know who's mean to me wrote an essay about like how they were sorry and why they did it. Mm -hmm. And I would love it. <laughs> I would love it. I actually pray for it every day. Every day. Yeah. I wouldn't even need a personal apology. I would be like, I see you through your book. We are at peace. There are some... Th an apology is so powerful, and the one that you, like, write in your head will never be as good as the one you actually receive. Like, that's happened. It, it Not like, you know, no one didn't write a whole book, but, you know, a couple years later, I got a text, Rashawn, I'm sorry about how I treated you and yeah. during this time, and it was X, Y, and Z, and I was like, thanks. This is something I never, ever, ever expected, but I'm glad it happened. How are you? How was your day? Like, now I can, you, yeah. I can get over my grudge. Because you realized it was there in the first place. 
I think that's so powerful. And and I'm, you know, you know me, I, if I'm angry, like it's, I'm very, I'm a very angry person. I hold on to grudges. Like if you've done me wrong, like I don't forget about it. And, and that's what I like. I yeah, like that right, I love fire. fire. <laughs> but I often thought to myself, like this anger is so big. There's no way this will go away because you've done me wrong. And yes, the, the people who come up to me and been like, e- even shittily, like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm like, I love you. How are you? Oh my God. (laughs) Like I'm gone in a second. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh my God, let's go to drinks. And they're like, okay, we don't need to go to drinks. I'm like, no, please come to me. You know, come over. This officially means that we're best friends. You're in my wedding. Um, I'm going to be buried next to you. We are friends. But you know, you, yeah, it's like, it's the balloon pops very easily for me. What the moment someone is like, okay, I'm sorry. And here's why. Okay. So about that passage, when Gabrielle goes to that party, she's with her like life coach. I've had a, a wellness coach for uh, a portion of the time that I was in Chicago as a friend who was like really into Reiki healing and crystals and stuff. And I was like, make me better, make me over. <laughs> and the awareness of, I'm just aware of the people that I'm with. If I were to go to a party with you, Chelsea, I'd presume that we were going to be like hip to hip the whole time. Yeah. The fact that she goes into that party with her life coach who's supposed to help her <laughs> become a better person. And she knowingly, you know, she feels like the, the prey and she at the watering hole and she's just tearing apart all these people. I would be like, there's no way I could do that. Or maybe we're so like programmed or like on autopilot as performers. We're always like, up out of our bodies performing, even when we're with our friends. Yeah, and I think jealousy takes over. You know what I mean? Like, you get mm. that jealous spark. And uh, actually, I, I totally didn't. What's weirder is that she took her life coach to a party. I actually yeah. didn't catch that. <laughs> she took, she called her coach to you know, make it a fun thing. I was like, no, but that's your, like, your therapist. You brought your <laughs> therapist to a party to see how you interact with others. Okay, to be honest, I would love to bring my therapist to a party. I'd be like, that's that person. Um, can you tell me, like, was I correct in my assessment? Should I, you know what I mean? Like, do, what- Read their body language. You can see that this person is a motherfucking bitch. <laughs> They're a bitch, you right? Can, can, you, that, can right? you, like, just give me a prescription, like, they are a bitch and, like, everything I've done is correct? <laughs> <laughs> I need this off my shoulder. Yeah, oh my God. I cannot take any more ownership over <laughs> Over these bitch ass I mean, people. but sometimes though, there there are people who are like, yeah, and then you know, I have a therapist and blah blah, blah and I'm like, you, you and- gotta get a different one. <laughs> it is not working. <laughs> How dare you, Chelsea? <laughs> How dare you? No, I don't think your therapist is turning you out. I'm sorry, you but you gotta like get someone better bag. at their job because this is the, no effect has taken place. Um, and, and in this same chapter, she writes about trolling. And I loved this line she wrote, so many people love the attention they get by trolling. It's a temporary cure for their invisibility. And I was so glad I was rereading this to do this podcast because I I had forgotten this advice. And she's telling her friend, like, this person wrote this shitty thing about me. I'm going to go at him. And her friend says to her, an empress does not concern herself with the antics of fools. Like Beyonce. Like She Beyonce. don't put no comments. She just posts and just gets the fuck out of yes. there. Enjoy it. Yes, and also exactly what her coach was saying is just like, if you care enough about this other person, you're showing people that you're obsessed with them. They have power over you. They're more mm-hmm. important than you are because if you were truly better than them, you wouldn't give a shit. Um, you would, you would not, not give care. a shit. And I, I, I say this as someone who... Um, so, you know, that you can like review the podcast and I, I read them all because one, they, they sometimes inform the podcast and mm-hmm. my favorite part um, is like the community that came out of this podcast, which I was not expecting, but it really is like this real book club and it like, 
uh, like I was reading the Facebook group this morning and cried. Uh, I don't know if that says more about the Facebook group <laughs> or me, but um, I was just like, oh, like my friends and family. What do you call the community of of uh, listeners? What do I, I, we don't have a fun name. We need, we need something. Do, I'm trying to think like a divine. The, the divine tezes? No, too long. The, the, the divine <laughs> Too long, too weird. Uh, the celebrity, b- b- uh, I don't know. If you think CBC of a good name, crew? drop it in. Um, I know Rashawn's about to circle back because she's great with wordplay. Um, but I was thinking reading... on it for the next hour. <laughs> I know. No, you got to focus on the podcast. <laughs> um, I, I, um, you know, I'm reading all these incredible reviews, and there was one review. There was one review where it was like one star. Why don't you read a real book like Hemingway and like, and your voice sucks and, you know, I would never jizz in you, whatever it said. And I would. He so would. He would jizz in me. Of course you would. I know you would He'd jizz in me. He'd trap you any day. Sir, you would jizz into an old Halloween pumpkin. Like, I know Hello? you'll jizz in me. Like <laughs> Trick or ick. Trick or ick. Our new game. <laughs> You're too good at this. Um, But I was, I, but yeah, I like kind of went down a hole where I was like so mad, you know, and, and it took me a second to be like, okay, I just read like all these great reviews, but for some reason I'm mad at the man who told me to read Hemingway. And it's just like so good to remember like, yeah, yeah, I don't need to care. I don't need to care. Cause I wanted to respond to him like Mm -hmm. Hemingway ain't shit compared to Gabrielle Union, bitch. Like, like, he doesn't need to hear from me. What am I doing? Reading reviews of any kind. That was a weird thing too of Chicago. Like the first time a real review came out, I was just like, my name's in the paper. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I feel amazing. I don't care that they didn't really notice that I was in the show. (laughs) You got great reviews in Chicago though. I mean, have you ever, have you ever had to deal with a bad review? Um, I've had not, I don't even think it's a bad review. I think it's the way they describe me personally. Just based off of that one performance, like someone was like, Rashawn's bringing the blue collar back to the second city. I was like, um, my parents both work at Costco. My parents um, could buy you, Exactly. Sir. Like, I went to all, like, all these schools. Like, I went, like, they just made me out to be such, like, look at this young black girl coming up from oh, the God. from the shit to make it at Second City. I was like, um, my life is actually pretty normal. I'm actually a gift to this theater. <laughs> they're, they're lucky I'm here. I was like, um, I smoke blunts on the roof, okay? <laughs> and then come down and it's like, all right, act two, let's do it. Yeah, oh, God, I remember that. That roof got a lot of play. Um, the truth is that this podcast takes... I can't pretend it's not an enormous amount of work. And I have a job. Like, I have I have other jobs to do. And so when I read those reviews, it empowers me to be like, no, I want to keep going. I, again, I just, like, love these people. But then it means dealing with um, Ernest Hemingway fuckface, who, who's probably, like, I don't know, a long-lost uncle of mine being like, fuck this bit. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's the movie. There it is. There it is. Um, but... But yeah, and, and reading reviews at Second City was tough too. I, my my trajectory there was um, I would not be mentioned at all. I was in many many things, and they would just I would just not be part of the review over and over again. Then then one time I got like cute. I was like, mm, worse, worse, go back to nothing. And then one show when I finally had like come into my own, I got like incredible reviews, and I put that shit all over my website oh, and never yeah. looked back. You know what I mean? And it's, but also like when they were writing garbage, I was like, fuck them. They don't know anything. And they wrote something good. And I was like, you know, we really should listen to these people. <laughs> yeah. Let's clip it out the newspaper. I have a scrapbook to dinner. Everything. I think they have a really great opinion now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so fucked up. 
Okay, so going back in time, and the book jumps all over the place. It's not told in chronological order. There's a bunch of crazy stuff that we're just going to have to skip it for time, which is such a bummer. But um, her mom gets married to her dad at 19, and the marriage falls apart because her dad won't fund her mom's education because she's interested she's interested in humanities and that doesn't make money. And one day Gabrielle finds a secret ATM account full of all the money her dad is using to fund his secret second family. Baby, Baby. I tell you, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Excuse me? You got a whole ass other family? How, whole oh my family. God. He had a photo album given to him from the mistress that dated, timestamped every photo because she's probably begging to be caught um, in their house of this. When they had that party where like her mom was out of town. And so this other woman was in her house throwing a party soiree for her friends. I said, oh my God, how did she not Angela Bassett burn that house down? Oh, I know. And yes. And and it's such a good chapter. You should definitely just read this book. But yeah, about like why you guys just read it. Just read the book. Um, Her mom, why her mom stays and all these things. But then it ends when um, her mom and, and her dad get divorced. The same month, he remarries the mistress at the end of the month. And his mom, who apparently didn't even like Gabrielle's mom, is at the wedding and shouts, she's a whore. <laughs> I was like, at least someone said it. You know, at least someone said it. See, because um, they, they did it because they probably had the, you know, does anyone opposed to this union? Like, if you know that your relationship is dirty, don't put that in there. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't have a wedding. Just go get <laughs> go get dirty eloped, you know? And then she graduated from college, like, the, the week after or some shit like that. And they bought a new house, like, within days. I mean, like, horrifying, horrifying. Horrible. And, and her mom's just such a cool woman in this book. And her dad, as you've already heard, is, is not great. Um, okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some really deep stuff. So so here's your trigger warning. It's going to get but it's going to get intense for a little bit when we come back. Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. 
Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, welcome back. So I've given you a trigger warning. Um, This is gonna get somewhat rough. It's gonna get very rough. Um, So Gabrielle gets a job at Payless when she's 19 years old. And they've heard of a man who's breaking into stores in the area and no one does anything to put security in place or be aware of that or anything. So she and another young girl are manning the store one night when a man comes in and she gets an awful feeling that she should run. But she ignores it because she's like, you have to be a nice, polite woman. And the man is black and she says she feels racial solidarity of not, you know, um, treating a black man poorly. And then he takes her to the back of the store and he rapes her with a gun to her head. And I'm going to skip the details, but if you are someone who has experienced sexual assault and you are ready to read about it, I highly recommend this book. I think you'll see yourself in some of the reactions and processes. And and she talks a lot about how she healed from this. And it's just, I just, these chapters meant so much to me. I was just sobbing. And at one point he had put his gun down to put his pants back on. And he asks her to hand it to him. He's like, hand me that gun. That's how much power he feels. And, and, and she, in that moment, comes back into her body, grabs the gun, shoots at him, and misses. Ugh, I wish he had died. Same, same. And it's like that moment of, you know, it, it would be so hard to get a hold of the gun, grab it, and shoot. And she did it. She did the thing mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you, you hope you would have it in you to do. Meanwhile, there is another girl hiding in the bathroom the whole time and terrified terrified but gabrielle's like screaming for her to come out when she has the gun in her hands the girl never comes out and she describes being grateful that the payless is in an affluent white neighborhood and police Mm -hmm. get there quickly and that they're nice to her about being raped because that's how low the bar is and and it kind of comes full circle where it's like her dad thought he could price them out of things like this happening mm-hmm. if he moved them into certain places, into certain racial areas, and it still happened. And they go to court, and um, her dad keeps the article in his wallet for the rest of her life. And Gabrielle talks about how he was so horrible to her that she thinks he took it as like a personal attack on him, you yeah, know, on his that, yeah, and, and on so his like story. His broken favorite toy, I had highlighted that section. Like, that look, like, after I was assaulted, I felt very similar in this way of, like, uh, my my dad and I didn't really talk about it, but he knew it had happened. And when, um, after it had happened, I was surrounded by my aunts and everything. But it was, like she said, she says, they had never seen me show fear. Uh, you move your kids to this all-white community and force them to go to all these all-white schools. You think you've priced them yourself out of this shit. You've done all these things. And then this happens. And that was like a, a it was like a, a cloud, not a cloud, like a coat I put on that was like, no one had ever seen me have fear. And no one was ever worried about me because I was so focused on school. Rashawn doesn't like boys. You know, she's focused on musical theater. That's what she wants. But then when you're like, 
nothing will ever happen to you, then something happens to her. There's a like, it takes a long time to like shake that off to be like a real person again. Like she talked about how she just, that stayed with her, the residual fear of like being afraid all the time. And my ass moved to Chicago like a month later. Oh my God. I was scared of my own shadow. I wouldn't go anywhere by myself. Like I I remember us having so much mace on us (laughs) because the shows would get out late and we'd have to like Mm -hmm. get home after it. And I just remember us just like, just like cans of hairspray, just like shaking them up and being like. All right, girl. I mean, that set was super funny. You were super, you should write that up. Okay, girl. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) See you tomorrow. (laughs) Just testing it. Um, First off, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. And there was another person around and I yelled like Gab yelled hello help me please why won't you help me and it was just like this person took their time i don't know if they were scared too or Uh, the guy told me there are things you can't understand and then let me go and i took off what it was wild cryptic there are things you can't understand i'd be like sir try me and in fact no, shut the fuck up. Go to Actually, a break it on down. You need to do a TED talk to really break down what the fuck you just meant you when you said understand. to me. That is so haunting. I am so sorry. It's one to even have to deal with it, but then like so you have a line. Get out of here. Get <laughs> like out of here. The worst outline ever. I'm sorry. You know, new choice. Get new it choice. out of here. New cho- <laughs> How dare you? That's a second city game. <laughs> new choice. Ding ding. Um, yeah. After this happened. Um, I, she wrote this and I wrote it down. Was it what her therapist, when she went to that first, that first therapist was such an asshole oh, to her, God. like after the attack of like, oh, you just seem like an unorganized person. And it's like, no, my whole. I, my brain has been wrecked with trauma. No, th- this is the part that, um, that I really identified with. And uh, I feel like you really identify with it too. I moved from the fear of one random act of violence to another because I'd seen the devil up close. Once you've been the victim of a violent crime and you have seen evil in action, you know the devil lives and breathes in people all day, every day. Yes. What a profound thing. Like, yes. And then I I moved to a new place where I was like, all these new fears. I couldn't just be young and have fun and free and just do what everybody else was doing. Because I was constantly like, if I... If I go up to this person and we get into, is it, there's lots of eyes on me. There could be, you know, who knows what could happen. I was playing, you know, uh, worst case scenario in my head constantly, yes. all the yes. time. So that just assumed the worst. Yeah. I, I, I mean, had no reason it, to not. It is. Like when you know evil like that exists, you can see it everywhere. And the worst part is that it's everywhere. And mm-hmm. exactly like you said, where so this happened to you, right? And you still had a trajectory for your life. I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to be an actor. Gabrielle is trying to heal from this horrific event. And she says before she can fully heal herself, she gets famous. She's still going to auditions. She is still showing up at parties. She is putting on the face, doing everything you did. And I think we do this constantly. It's so awful because people can't see you for who you are and what you've been through because you're continuing on. And instead of seeing how strong you are, instead it looks like, well, nothing bad ever happened to you or it wasn't that bad because otherwise, how are you continuing on? Like she's about to star in 10 Things I Hate About You. Which was filmed at my high school. That's your high school? Yes, Tacoma, Washington. As soon as I turned the page, I was like, oh yeah. It's a castle. 
Stadium High School in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, it, it's like the school is ancient. It used to be a French chateau and then got converted into a, a public high school. Of it's course. where I went to school. Um, okay, okay, okay. I was also in the high school band and some guy paid our band to like play the song in the bowl so he could propose to his girlfriend like Keith Ledger does in the movie. Oh, my God, Rashawn. Just my fun fact. Rashawn, I, like, I knew about your high school, but now that I know that, this changes everything. Um, that is so cool, and what a crossover. Um, yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You, great movie, totally holds up. Um, do you remember Andrew Keegan from that movie? Um, he's, like, the hot guy who had yes. the photos of himself. He's, like, the evil hot guy. Um, yeah. He started a cult. Yeah, he's a uh, cult leader work? in L.A. Yeah, I think work? he's been arrested. Um, so, Celebrity Book Club drinking game. I've mentioned a cult. Um, take a oh. chug. <laughs> and Gabrielle plays that character, which is bitch, bitchy, prissy, mean girl. So many other times. So, she's that character in Love and Basketball, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. She's that character in Bring It On, um, a movie that also shockingly holds up way more than I thought it would. And then I realized from book club DMs that the movie has actually been scrubbed of some really offensive things in it. They've, um, whoever owns the movie, like cut those parts out. So now when it streams, <laughs> it's. They're not in there. Yeah, because they had to rewrite that a bunch because when she says when she first got the script, they were they were translate transcribing episodes of Martin into the script because they had no idea how a black teenager would talk. Which is also what's so crazy where it's like, how did they have such a good storyline of like white people steal your dance moves and profit off of you? And then not only when they're like, we're sorry, we did that. Let me help you. The black team is like, fuck off. We will get this shit back on our own. Beats their asses. How how do you have that good of a storyline when you're stealing lines from Martin? <laughs> because it's happened to black artists since the beginning of yeah, I, artistry. They must have stolen that from a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's the, the plot of Dream Girls. It's Ma uh, Rainey's Black Bottom. It's like literally any, any it's TikTok. You know, <laughs> these kids get all famous it's for doing dance life. moves. <laughs> <laughs> it's anytime anyone's ever stolen one of your fire tweets and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And so there's a bunch of great stuff about roles, but first time we have to talk about her first marriage <laughs> to oh my God, a gentleman who goes by the name little thicky and he's an <laughs> NFL player. And this is the paragraph that opens that chapter. Have you ever had a dream where you're in a car and you're headed right for a wall? You're trying to hit the brakes, but you just speed closer and closer to your doom. Well, you are cordially invited to my first wedding. <laughs> it was the worst day ever. I thought it was so hilarious that, oh, like, they say, like, oh, if your wedding is terrible, it means it sets off to a wonderful union. But it's like, no, she should have seen all the red sides. When her friend reads the passage, Dulé Hill, and is I could just hear him just being like, ugh. Love is patient. He's like rolling his eyes throughout the entire ceremony. Yeah, and she's like he's leaving space in between each sentence for her to <laughs> rethink marrying him. In front of all these people. Because she talks about public humiliation and how she was so scared to like do anything that was like out of pocket because it would be full shame. But it's like, mama, you you built the house. Yes. <laughs> you uh, set the stage for humiliation. I, you paid for it. You paid for it. And I love, I just love how much details she includes in this relationship. It is just such a good book. If you've ever been in a relationship uh, where it was bad and you just kept going, raise your hand. Mine is raised. This is the <laughs> chapter for you. Okay, so 
<laughs> that that thing happens. Um, the pastor pronounces her name Gabriel. Do you, Gabriel, take this man? And because she's being nice and polite, when she goes to repeat it back, she she says, "I Gabriel." Like she doesn't even correct him. Um, and then you know, at my auntie's wedding, uh, her name is Consuela. She when she got married the first time, the pastor called her Consuela, and my grandmother, no. rest her soul, Ernestine, was like, "It's Consuela." <laughs> Thank God. And then the worst part to me is when they go to say uh when he goes to say i do instead of saying i do he and all his nfl teams mate teammate groomsmen answer we do all at once <laughs> See, this is this is why men shouldn't be actors they 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 they, <laughs> they wrote this whole scene probably took forever with his friends like man this is gonna be fucking this hilarious. is gonna be so funny but we do she's marrying the team dog yeah she says um it turns out uh Chris, that was his real name, Little Thicky, though I'm going to keep calling him Little Thicky, had been cheating mm-hmm. on her uh, throughout the relationship, and she had been cheating on him. And I love this because this is where she gives cheating advice. She was like, he was stupid and cheated with all these people. I cheated up, which is to say, if you cheat, <laughs> cheat with someone who has more to lose than you do so that they don't blow up your spot because they have a family or they mm-hmm. have a reputation and you don't get caught. And I was like... This is so cool that she's passing this off. Like, she's even helping cheaters out. That's smart. That's just, she's an equal opportunity uh, kind of person. She is. I love that. But even their pr- the proposal itself was just a mess. When he proposed her, he basically said, you want to be my girl or whatever. And then she found that he had been, like, texting some some woman like an hours before he proposed and he was, she, okay. She came back to the house. There were rose petals all over the floor leading up to the bedroom. I see it clearly in my mind and he's down on one knee and he's eating a bucket of fried chicken in one hand from KFC. Shout out, support the podcast. And and then the ring in the other. And it was like, and apparently he had like gotten hungry and didn't think she'd be home soon. So when she walks in, he's like eating chicken and he's like, what's up do you want to get married (laughs) and then when she confronts him about him texting some other woman like hours before he's like i didn't know if you were gonna say yes so i basically had a girl on standby in case you said no what the fuck is that chelsea that was the the sad that was sadder than the when charles proposed to diana Yes, we are watching The Crown. You're right. It is so much worse. And the worst part is that she says that um, he proposes to her. She tells everyone. She tells her PR team. And then hours later, when she finds out he's currently cheating on her, she feels that she can't call it off because she's already told everyone. And she it'll be a big Hollywood flop. Yeah, yeah. And she was. She said, uh, "I imagine the headline: the eighth lead from She's All That (laughs) uh, calls off her engagement in 24 hours." This book is very funny. And And, oh yeah, she's in She's All That. All my favorite teen movies. All my favorite teen movies. I mean, she really is in everything, and it's. Yeah, and so then she just goes forward in this relationship over and over again. One of my favorite highlights is that they go and see couples therapists, and every couples therapist is like, you guys should break up. We can't, (laughs) we're not going to see you. Like, you shouldn't do this. And they were like, we'll find another one. How did you guys get past the dating? 
I mean, the, truly. The fact that you're married. Oh, my gosh. And she even talks about this in her cool Mean Women speech. So I'm going to post it, but, but of like not valuing yourself. And she had felt like, oh, I'm quote unquote old. I'm getting an engagement under the wire. You know, this is happening for all my friends. I just need to say yes and all mm-hmm. the pressure. And um, the big scandal. So this is a great chapter. We've skipped so much. But the, the big <laughs> scandal that breaks them up. I'm going to read her little passage about it. Then Cameron Camera entered my life. That's not her real name. Her working name was even dopier, and I resent protecting the identity of a woman who tried to extort me after sleeping with my husband, but I am not quite sure of the etiquette. Which, do you have guesses for who this is? Because the name is Cameron Camera, and she's Cameron saying it's l- her. this woman's name is even crazier than that. I have a guess from Book Club that now I can't see anything else, which would be Tila Tequila. Oh, someone else came up with that and DM'd me. And I was like, that feels right. I don't know who this would be. Because was this around the time of like one shot of love with Tila Tequila? Remember (laughs) that reality show? Yeah. She was coming down from that hype. And just because the way that they had, everybody was like huddled around a computer at a party where she was showing off her website to people. Like one girl, way to market yourself, huh? Yeah, yeah. Way to really get out there. But it was just so just but it made me think like back with the Jason Kidd relationship of like girl you just be jumping into stuff oh I know and the Jason like, Kidd the thing we're it. also skipping for time another NBA player but she dates him <laughs> in high school so wild yeah and little thicky's NFL and then her husband Dwayne Wade is NBA I mean she's just crushing I mean she's just trying to get that infinity gauntlet she's getting all the, all the infinity the stones that's amazing <laughs> of dating I mean so good and then okay so then she goes through a divorce and she does a chapter on breakups it is so good and it pains me to say this but I don't want to cover it on the podcast in case you or someone you know are going through a breakup you should read this fresh and have her hold your hand through it because it is perfection. Anyone who's going through a breakup should read this. But one of the tips she says is to read Tina Turner's book, which we do on this podcast. <laughs> so I've, you know, I was into that because um, Tina Turner's book, obviously she gets over someone horrible. So instead of going into that, Rashawn, what would your advice be for someone going through a breakup? Mm, someone go- as a person. Well, of all the breakups that I've had, these people have never really been dating in the first place. Like I get, <laughs> hey, it still counts. It still counts. Um, gosh, what did I do uh, to get over a breakup? You've really got to immerse yourself in something that you're passionate about. Like I will just like okay, so I like shut off the romantic part of my body and I just like focus everything into. Just dumb stuff. Like if I'm like, I'm gonna bake the best freaking cake. I'm I making bread. Can. It's needlepoint time. Exactly. I'm buying like a Peloton. <laughs> I pick up hobbies like no other. I pick and I up do trash it. on my street every morning. That is me now. <laughs> I will. I mean, I used to go to the thrift store religiously. Like, oh my god, I can buy this paint away. That's yeah. a thing too. Can yeah, we do it. And you know what? Oh. If you can buy, I think buying the paint away definitely works on me. Sometimes I, I would definitely do that. Um, So then there are other great chapters we're going to skip. A chapter about her dog. I was reading it when we had just gotten our new dog and just like, this is us now, dog. And he was like, give me (laughs) treats. Um, And then there's a chapter about getting a yeast infection when you're a famous woman, (laughs) um, which was so great. And then she gets into her current marriage to Dwayne Wade, huge NBA star. And I 
love their love. I don't know if you follow them on Instagram, but uh, they their family brings me so much joy. So many matching fits. Um, yeah, and, uh, they love it. They and, love and a matching just outfit. Stunning. They're stunning. And, and she's ten years older than him. Also, you and you can't tell because again, she looks like um, a beautiful 19. baby born fetus. Um, <laughs> And so when she calls it out, it's like, oh, yeah, she was 10 years older than him. You're like, that is so cool. How does she get even cooler? Um, But she has a chapter in her book about how they really try and have a kid. And she goes through IVF and nine miscarriages. And it takes a horrific toll on them. She writes, my body was a prisoner of trying to get pregnant, which just feels so accurate. And then, okay, so this is not in the book because it, it happened afterwards, but Gabrielle and Dwayne ended up breaking up. He had a kid with someone else. They got back together, and then they all, they had a daughter together, um, Baby Kavya, who they call Shady Baby. And, you know, it happened after the book came out, but I hope one day Gabrielle writes about it, um, because I just, I want that, I love that, I love her stories, and I think that would be such a good story to hear about from her. And uh, they call Baby Kavya Shady Baby. Her Instagram is so cute. And there's a book coming out called Shady Baby. The most expressive child I've seen since me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that is saying a lot. Um, I mean, just so cute. And her family's just so strong and great. And to make it through all of that for this greater goal of happiness of where she's at now, I'm just like, one day I want the essay, you know, because it is just... We deserve it, Gabrielle. Um, we deserve it, Gabrielle. Um, Gabrielle. <laughs> oh, God. I just love her so much. Um, and then she has a chapter on being a stepmom and raising black children and how she will bring evidence and receipts of racism to the PTA meetings, to the school yes. meetings, to be like, you will not call my children bullies because mm-hmm. this person has said X and X and X thing about them, and we will take this seriously, and there will be repercussions. I mean, the lengths that people go to with their children, one, like, people are going to go, you know, over the moon if they possibly can. But again, there's the policing of Black children at such a young age that they just assume there's something wrong with us like my brother could have gotten labeled like a problem child in in school but my parents were adamant about this is how these black bodies get to move around the world and especially me being uh in a a voluptuous young woman there was a lot of like um, stay away from her like we'd be at the mall and some guy would be sniffing around me and my mom would be like she's 14 back the fuck up or some man followed me home while i was riding my bike around the neighborhood. Which, by the way, had, he he thinks he can catch you on a bike. What a dumbass! <laughs> this this is a huffy, you asshole. <laughs> this got gears on it. Hello. Those precautions are so real, and I can't imagine now where you're raising these kids like half online, half in the real world. There's so much information that you can gather to support your children, but beyond just like the word of a parent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Right. And also just. Come, come to anything with receipts. <laughs> you know what I mean, just great advice in general. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. And, and the chapter on how to be a stepmom and to care for for kids and especially what Black children go through. Yeah, it's so incredible. And then she talks about getting married to Dwayne and how they have a prenup. And again, we're on the Celebrity Book Club drinking game. Oh I've mentioned prenups. Take, take a drink your whole bottle of wine. Um, but what... I love about this one is that she goes into how hard it was. Not like we got one and it's great that basically her worth to him was being negotiated because he's this massive, massive sports star and how he kind of won in the quote unquote prenup battle. But 
Um, and so now she, she's like, I'm kind of resentful, but also I'm in love with him. And, and I'm glad we got a prenup because <laughs> she had also, we forgot to mention, Little Thicky got kicked off his football team and never worked again. And, and Gabrielle yeah, Union paid for everything. She bankrolled his whole She bankrolled his fake, his fake company. He would go to an office and do nothing. And she paid for the office. I was like, okay. She said, this dick is costing me money. This dick is expensive and it's not even nice to me. No. You know how people say the phrase, like, you can't have it all. That's, I feel like that phrase should only be applied to men. Like, (laughs) so you're getting, uh, you're getting everything paid for. You're Mm -hmm. unkind to her and you're cheating. Sir, you cannot have it all. You You can't stay here. Be nice. Be nice and cheat and have no money. But like, you can't (sighs) do it all. I don't know how you guys live with men. I just can't. can't (laughs) The next man I live with will be my husband and he will be vetted before. We're going to get hit. We'll prenup the hell out of him, Rashawn. Um, And I... As I was doing this, I was like, I can't move. We're getting into prenups again on the podcast. So here's my idea for a spinoff podcast. If you're out there, pick it up. Prenup podcast, okay? And you just go through prenups and talk about what's in them, what happened, and why not? It's fun to me. Okay. So she also says, Dwayne, um, when she first met him, she felt no spark. Uh, by the I- way, <laughs> if you've seen that man, you're like, how? Just How? ignored him completely at Prince's party. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. And they're like, this huge star loves you. And she's like, okay, okay, I don't give a fuck. Um, and I mean, he's so handsome. I don't know how. But I think that was that's possible. how true love really gets started. Like the people I've just been like, oh. They're like, Rashawn, that person has been in love with you this whole time. Now, if you are that person and you're listening to this podcast, again, I was oblivious to it. If you know anybody who has been madly in love with me, please direct them to me. Here's Rashawn's personal phone number, her address, her social security number. Track her down. (laughs) Find her. Please. (laughs) Please. DM. DM. There's someone out there listening. I think you're going to get, here's my prediction. You're going to get a juicy ass DM after this. This is what I think. Um, Because I'm also going to put pictures of you up on my story. So come check it out. She already Uh, gave you a clue. She's got dim boobies. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. When we were on stage together, we would literally be like, okay, what is the most supportive bra? Because we got to jump around in this scene. And we would like talk like taping them down before the show. Um, And my dumbass wrote a jump jump rope scene for us to do. Oh, my God. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. That was incredible. It was a great night for uh, many people in the audience audience, but not for us. Um, so, um, but yeah, she's like, they become friends. And then one day she looks at him and realizes she doesn't want to be on the planet without him, which I just thought was so beautiful. And then we're getting towards the end of the book. She goes into another, every chapter is perfect. Um, she talks about this guy, Ray, who was her only friend in school because he literally volunteered. Her teacher was like, (laughs) Gabrielle is new. Who would volunteer? Who wants to, to be join friend? the Friends of Nikki Union Club? I'd put a, a, a frowny face next to this phrase <laughs> because I thought that was the rudest shit a teacher so could ever do. Fucking rude, and like I, I'm sure it probably came from a good intention, but like that moment of waiting to see if anyone will volunteer <laughs> to be your charity friend. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> so Ray was the only person who volunteered, and he becomes her very, very good friend. And what I love about this chapter is that she admits something pretty difficult, which is that she is the last person to find out one of her best friends, Ray, is gay. And it's because she uses gay slurs at the time. And that was heavy of the culture. We can't pretend it's not of the zeitgeist of those years for everyone to be using those words, but she did. And so her own best friend felt like he could not come out to her because she used those slurs. And 
I just thought it was such a great chapter of admitting your mistakes. It is mm-hmm. okay to have fucked up. It is okay. And yeah. to admit them and to get better is like all we ask of people. And we often feel like, uh, I'm so, you know, she could be like, I'm so ashamed. I don't want anyone to know I use that word. And instead she puts it in her book and offers it up. Like it is okay to fuck up and make it better. Yeah. And I, that language, like I remember being young and trying my hardest me like telling my cousins and brothers please there there's a thesaurus there's so many other words you can use to describe whatever you think you're describing but you know and then being in a a a theater kid like i can't tell you how many kids came out to me uh because they just were like rashawn understands kids uh, i remember this woman uh this girl megan she like told me she had two moms and i i'm telling you i forgot that yeah. she told me that. Yeah. And I was just like, girl, we have a book report due. I was like, cool, you have two moms. Like, big deal. Like, yeah, <laughs> girl, yeah. homework is still due. Like, I'm going to treat you like a normal person. And just that, it's so debilitating with the way she said, like, the way people use the N-word. It's just as cutting and jarring. Like, you you tell someone how you want to be treated. And it, it made it hard for me to tell people in my life that, yeah, I'm bisexual. But, like, I didn't want to that to be my defining thing because of how y'all treat other people. Yes. And like, you seem, I'm obviously an advocate for the, the gay community. Like if you, <laughs> if you know anything about me, like, duh. <laughs> we've, we've, did I not just mention that we perform drag and went to drag bars constantly? <laughs> <laughs> and someone was like, are you a man? And I was like, no, I'm not. No, but, but I thank wish. You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't clock me at all. Oh my God. That's so nice. So there's just like a whole world that you're cutting yourself off from by being ignorant and trying to be like a brick in the wall. Yes. Yes. That is such a great way to put it. And and again, like you make such a good point of like when you say certain things, they define you and it's it's no longer in your hands. That's the scary part. You're giving labels, words to other people who may not be educated, kind, empathetic. Now they get to wield who you are in the world and it's no longer yours. And that's a very scary, horrible feeling. And her talking about this with Ray, I think is so cool because there's probably so many people who read that and went like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Like, let, let me... Let me let me stop saying slurs. One, if you're still doing that, but hopefully other lessons came out of it. And um, <laughs> yeah, let's make that number one. Stop using slurs, guys. Number one, stop using slurs. Just for anybody, um, anybody, anything. And yeah, you, the, the other part because now we're now we're at the end of the book. But the other things we have to there's so there's so much to cover. There's so we many get. good things. This should be an extended episode. I know we talked forever. I know. And it's one of the shortest books too. <laughs> like, <laughs> um I just recommend it so much. And um there's a story in here that we can't get into because of time about Gabrielle almost getting her ass beat. But Rashawn almost got her ass beat one time. And I think you should share that story. <laughs> okay. So I was uh, living in Tacoma, Washington, and I was on I w- playing softball. And I had to play. I couldn't play for my school's team for some reason. I had to play for my uncle Malcolm's team that he was coaching at a boys and girls club. Now, the boys and girls club is like the only time I was really around other black kids because it, the boys and girls club was in, in a neighborhood that had more black kids. I basically bust into this area. And um, the girls did not like me uh, because I sounded white. 
Uh, I had an uppity attitude, Mm -hmm. you know, um, basic Rashawn stuff. But I was good at baseball. So I was just like, man, our team sucks. It was basically the movie Hardball with a bunch of girls of like, we didn't have uniforms when I showed up. All the girls were in jeans. Like we were playing against like another white team who had like all their shit together. We just looked so ragtag, right? And I was like, you gotta throw it to first. What the hell? You know, (laughs) being super (laughs) extra trying to win this game, right? So they did not like me. Cut to Friday evenings were this uh, event called Impact, where it was, we were all in this church. It was like a, it's nighttime, all the kids are going to be in one area. We play basketball, hang out in the parking lot, and then there's like a church service afterwards. And so leading up to the church service, word was going around, Keela does not like Rashawn. She's uppity. She's this, she's that. I'm going to beat her ass. Yeah, no. <laughs> and so I was just like, okay, okay. Just ducking into bathrooms, <laughs> trying to be in one place at all times. And then they bring us in for church service, which is this like big, you know, mega church, like laser light show oh, wow. teenager bullshit that I was just like, all right, the Lord wants all of this. This doesn't make no sense at all. <laughs> loves lasers sure does uh <laughs> and on the third day he made lasers <laughs> a laser light and, and this whole thing had happened i was just like fuck okay as soon as this is over i've got to run as fast as i can to get out of the uh parking lot because i know my dad will be there <laughs> and as soon as that thing took off you would tell i was i was not on the track team but baby when i needed to run fast i tell you i took out of there like Gabrielle dodged every beating that she could in this whole book her whole life I just took off and basically like ran with the door open was like dad she's gonna beat my ass and I never came back of course and that was the last baseball Rashawn ever hit (laughs) for that team that is so that is so funny we are at the very last page again so much we skipped go read this book And so you, my sweet, patient, understanding reader, Sookie made me promise to tell you not to act out of fear. I can only add that you can be scared to death as I have been while sharing these stories with you and do the thing you need to do anyway. Take care of yourself. Such good advice, Gabrielle. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Gabby. Gabby. Um, Okay, so we end every podcast with a thank you to the author. So I'll go first. Um, My thank you is... First off, thank you for just a fantastic memoir. There is no fluff in this book. She really tells a story, and there's a message in it, and she pulls out what's important, and you can really feel she wrote this book to give something back and to reach out a hand to other women, and it's not just to tell her story. I I just really felt like she just gave so much in it that I thought was so beautiful, and one of the things I really took from it, the book as a whole, is... She's she's a survivor, and to survive things like that, I feel like you often pick up armor or weapons, which are uh, which are what I call like personality traits or habits or little little quirks, things that become part of you because you learn to do them to survive a particular thing. But then you get to a point in life where. That thing might not serve you anymore, but you don't know how to put it down because you needed it so badly and it served you so well for so long. And I feel like she does such a great job of of this book is about transitioning, of like putting those things down, learning what you didn't like, what you did and letting things go, but honoring them for what they were. And like it just really made me think. 
you know, the way she was like, I was gossiping because I thought I had to, to survive and then learns she doesn't have to do it and then talks about it in this book and gives it to us. And it made me think about, you know, anger served me so well as a kid and I needed it, but, but it doesn't serve me anymore. It's only a burden now. So it's like, how do I put it down? And I just feel like her book just really spoke to me in terms of just the heavy shit you go through and and how to get through it and be honest and vulnerable. And you can really feel that she is scared. You can feel the fear of opening up this much in this book. And she does it anyway. And it's like so exhilarating. It's like watching that, um, it's like watching that movie where the the French dude walks across the wire between the two buildings in New York. Um, except that guy turns out to be a real shithead. So it was like that, but better because it was Gabrielle. Um, so that's my thank you. Oh, I just love her. I want to say thank you to Gabrielle Union for showing me a blueprint of how a Black woman can move through life and career. Uh, There were more glaring parallels in our lives than I ever thought. Like, I knew her from her work, but then to get to know her intimate life, I feel like I was reading a story. I was like, oh, I can write the book of my life. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, this is the blueprint. I mean, it would be called Rashawn. I paid $40 for this. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great title already. (laughs) But... I just really enjoyed the way she laughed at herself and was a, and had fun and just let loose and just really she recognized all of the things that were get, her blocks that were getting in her way and she just leapt over them anyway and still did it. Oh, I really really enjoyed it. I love and that. I enjoy that she watches Nashville with her husband. I think that <laughs> yeah, it's that a great show. Very cute. <laughs> um okay, Rashawn, tell people not only where they can find you on social media, she does Instagram lives where she'll just be singing in her house and you could just like tune in Rashawn sings to you. It's so fun. But also <laughs> tell us about your podcast. Tell us all the things. Oh, yes. There's so many things going on. Well, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Venmo at Rashawn Scott. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid. <laughs> uh, and uh, I've got a couple things going on right now. One, I'm in a podcast with a group of friends. We're all uh, comedians who have come up with, uh, it's called Mystery County Monster Hunters Club, Ooh. where we're a band of teenage monster hunters with our f- loyal janitor friend Susan Wexler and we this is great. <laughs> it's really fun we just every week we have a new monster or a uh, goal that we're trying to uh, accomplish there's all these spooky fun things that happen you can find that at mystery county everywhere you find podcasts I believe the 11th episode comes out this Tuesday okay hey also, I'm going to be starting a streaming show on the Chicago 4 Real Twitch channel. Okay, It'll be is this the a big Rashawn announcement show. on the podcast? This is on the podcast. So that'll be Sundays from 2 to 4 Pacific Standard Time. On Twitch. On Twitch. On the Twitch channel, Chicago 4 Real. Chicago 4 Real. I'll send you the And what happens on it? On the show, it'll be a variety of things. It's kind of my talk show. Uh, I'll be cooking this week. I'm going to do cookies and stuff. And then in the interim, I'm going to be singing songs or talking about drag race or whatever is literally on my mind. That is incredible. 
I'm really excited for Lawrence Cheney on the UK Drag Race. I think that she's going to win it all. Um, but yeah, just follow me and I'll update you as life goes on. I, I promise. love that. Also, I'm so excited for that Twitch show, but more excited for the Netflix version of it. Everybody get in on this. This is the, this is the talk show host we're begging for. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so incredible. Thank you for having me, Chelsea. It's been so fun. I read a book. Go on me. <laughs> That's all for this week's episode. If you want to see the visuals that go with this podcast episode, pictures of Gabrielle and Shady Baby, I'm going to find photos of Rashawn and I from when we used to perform on stage together. Those will all be on my Instagram, at Chelsea Devantes. And I will make a highlight that goes with this podcast episode, and you can view it whenever you listen to the podcast. It'll always be up there. And if you want even more Celebrity Book Club in your life, go to the Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast. That's where you can start discussions and we can dive in even deeper. Once again, thank you so much for all the reviews. They're so nice and they help to keep the podcast going and let them know we should do more books. And thank you for the stars and and, and the DMs and everything. I could not do this podcast without our amazing team here at Stitcher, executive producer Daisy Rosario, producer Brandon Nix, and associate producer Corinne Wallace. If you want to listen to ad-free episodes of this podcast, you can only do so on Stitcher Premium. And if you want a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S. You guys, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm, I'm drinking tea. I'm trying to do a detox. For how long? For three hours. For three hours, I'm just trying to drink tea. It's going pretty well so far, but um, I'll circle back next week. See you guys then.